Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Yordina Osman, here with my friend Echad Rutan Gordon. Our daf today, Masachi Kedushin, Daf Nun Vav, page 56. Well, we have Master Shani again. It keeps popping up, and it sort of makes sense, because as we have this whole discussion about whether or not objects can be deconsecrated, right? Once they have a status of holiness, can that be taken away? Master Shani, as I'm sort of reading through, is kind of the, is sort of in a way, I would say the pair the paradigm of this, right? There's something paradigmatic about this example, right? The idea is, is that you take your Master Shani on the years that you do Master Shani, years one, two, um, four, and five, and then you, you know, redeem, you sort of sell the, the produce itself, because obviously most people probably brought their Master Shani up whenever they came up to Yerushalayim, so the produce wouldn't necessarily stay. Um, and then when once you got, you know, you took that money, and then when you got to Yerushalayim, you would buy something in Yerushalayim. And I think there's a whole interesting economic piece of how this helps the economy all around of Yerushalayim, um, even to the point that I actually was uh, over uh, this past Sukkot was talking to a family member who was saying that she doesn't love when she goes down to the hotel that there's like sort of all these shops and food courts. And I said, well, actually... I think that's kind of what Yerushalayim was like because all these people were coming to redeem their Master Shani money. So there were a lot of stores where you had to buy your things for your Korbanas. So there's like a very interesting economic piece, but the money itself was considered to be hegdish. The money itself was considered to be consecrated. And so the, there's a brisa that is actually of uh, 55, which says, Tanu Rabbanan, you can't purchase an animal with Maser Shani money, uh, and here what they're referring to specifically is uh, outside of Yerushalayim. The um, Imlakach, and if you did do that, Bishogeg unknowingly, right, like by mistake, Yachsaru Damim Lemekoman. So the money gets to return to its original place. In other words, the sale is basically considered to be void. It's not a good sale. Go back to the shopkeeper and say, I bought this incorrectly. You have to give me my money back. Yachsir uh if it was done purposefully, then that animal should be brought up and basically eaten in in Yerushalayim. Um a Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda said, what's the case that we're actually talking about here? This is a case where the buyer had intended to actually take that money to buy a shlamim. Um, but if he intended to deconsecrate this Master Shani money, whether he did it unintentionally or intentionally, uh, it, the sale is considered void. And when you read this brisa, I actually think it's kind of shocking because there kind of was like this economic law here that if you, you know, bought something with Master Shani money that you shouldn't have, this case of the animal, it, it, it the, the seller has to return that money to you. And that was like, almost like, it's not civil law, it's like halakhic law that in a way becomes, uh, that becomes civil law. Uh, so the Gemara is going to go through and discuss this, right? Because again, they're really discussing the opinions of Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Meir about how things get deconsecrated and in what particular uh, cases they get deconsecrated, uh, you know, and how they get deconsecrated. Um, and, uh, you know, so just, you know, read through the whole passage. I'm not going to go through, uh, I'm not going to go through all of it, but at the end, right before we get to, um, the Mishnah, there is this sort of interesting concept, uh, you know, where it talks about, um, where it says the following, Amar Mar, 
Im, this is really at the bottom of, of Amadamu. Im lakach. If somebody did, here they're talking about a case where you purchased an unclean animal or slaves or, or any type of property with Master Shani money. Yochol connectan. You know, you have to basically eat, right? Any extra food is Master Shani in an amount that corresponds to the funds that you used incorrectly. And the Gemara asks, but am I? Why? Let's just return the money to its original place. In other words, the buyer goes to the seller and says, this actually was void and the money should get returned to him. Ki hatam, as we ruled in the brisa that I just read. So the Gemara says, Amar Shmuel, Shmuel answers, Kishebarach, the Mishnah, right? This case here, this was another Mishnah that was asking, is about a case where the seller um, fled. In other words, you can't find the seller to actually make the transaction void. Now, the Gemara wants to figure this out. The Tama Devarach, right, the reason, right, that the buyer basically has to add, you know, consume this added food is Master Shani money where he spent these funds, right, is if the seller fled. So therefore, but if the seller didn't flee, then we would have penalized the seller. In other words, we void the transaction and force this to return the money to the buyer. So the question is, shouldn't we really be penalizing the buyer, right? The buyer is the person who spent the master, you know, Shaney money in a way he shouldn't have. So the Gemara then says, the mouse is not the thief. Rather, the hole is the seed. In other words, the mouse can't steal food if he doesn't have a place to hide it. So in other words, really make the purchase with Master Shaney money unless there's a seller willing to, him to buy. And what this basically implies is, is that in a way, sellers were responsible to make sure that when they took money, that it was not Master Shaney money, which I found to be just fascinating. So then the Gemara says, okay, but if it wasn't for the mouse, what, what does the hole do? In other words, the, the buyer should be responsible because if he, he did the actual sin by handing over that money, the seller, yeah, had an opportunity, but it's not the seller didn't initiate it or do this. So the Gemara says, It's logical that whenever there's a prohibited item, you know, that's where we do the, the penalty. And since the seller is in the one of the actual possession, of the misappropriated Master Shaney funds, that's why he will be penalized the seller and have to make the transaction void. So uh, it, it's a very short passage, but but you know this principle that the the transaction actually had to be voided, you know, in my mind, had great economic consequence uh, for how business must have been done. In other words, that the seller really needed to make sure that the money that they were taking was good money. I think it's fascinating and something I probably haven't given enough thought to, right? The fact that in a halachic economy or whatever that we want to call this, it's just different from a free market economy where ostensibly your money is your own and you could do whatever you want with it. Or for that matter, let's say Israel's more veering towards socialized economy, socialist economy, where certainly the government takes a good portion of your funds, right? Of your earnings and things like that in terms of taxes and like that. But but not in this way of consecration, right? Not where somebody's, you know, sure, people will check for what, you know, counterfeit bills, let's say, but not have you done anything wrong with your money that I can't accept it. Like it's a really different orientation to an area of functioning that I think we don't usually think about in a halachic way uh, to our loss, I suppose, right? If we pay attention to kashrut, you know, or Shabbat or whatever, but not this. 
Yeah, exactly. And I, I, I think, you know, this is like a, a, a I don't, I, I just found this whole thing to be very, very fascinating. Like it's, it's an added layer. Like did sellers actually say like, is this master Shane anybody? Like, how did this actually work? Did they do this in all parts of the country? You know, because the first case that we initially saw the Brisa was if this happened outside of Yerushalayim, like where you shouldn't have been using your master Shani money. I, I, I'm intrigued by this whole passage. Yeah, likewise. Okay, I'm going to move on to the Mishnah at the top of Amabet. Amakadesh Be'orla. So this is, you know, yet another, prohib- you know, uh, another agricultural issue that theoretically is going to be a prohibi- prohibition for, to use it for, Kiddushin, right? Bikilea Kerem, Bashur Haniskal, Beegla Arufa, Bitsipur, Bitsubre Mitsora, Ubasir Nazir, Upeter Hamor, Ubasar Bachala, Vahulin Shinishkatuba Azara, Enam Mekudeshet. Meaning, we end up here, we open with this agricultural concern, which we'll get into in just a moment, and then we move far afield from agricultural concerns, but all kinds of halachically prohibited uh, items, you know, in terms of use for kiddushin for betrothal and the answer is no none of these will work for betrothal specifically let's go through them orla which is the fruit grown on a tree during its first three years since planting kilei hakaram these are when the we've talked about this before the kilaim when the diverse kinds right that things are planted too closely together uh, an ox that was sentenced to be stoned uh so that is i mean or or the ox that has been stoned right because it did damage Be'egla um, Arufa, the heifer whose neck is broken. We talked about that a long time ago, I believe. Tzipurei Mitzora, the, the birds that are brought as part of the karbanot of the Mitzora. The leper is not a good translation, but that's this is their sacrifice. Bese'ir Nazir, the, I'm sorry, Bese'ar Nazir, the hair from a Nazir, right after he's no longer a Nazir and he cuts, he cuts his hair, you can't say... Hi, I'd like to betroth you with my hair. Peter Chamor, the firstborn of a donkey. Basar um, something that is meat cooked in milk, which to begin with is a prohibited, uh, it's a pretty prohibited thing to do. It's also a prohibited thing to make use of. These things are all asur right? You can't get benefit from them. V'chulin bazara, a non-consecrated uh, meat, right? Animal that is slaughtered in the temple, which is not how that's supposed to work, right? Those kinds of, of animals that say for food are supposed to be slaughtered outside of the temple. None of these things will work for Kiddushin. However, if you sold these, any of these, right? And you then use the money from the sale for Kiddushin, that would work. Meaning you can get benefit from the money in exchange for this, like the item themselves are forbidden, but not the value of the item. So that you could use for Kiddushin. The Gemara wants to know what what is the source for this. And, you know, it goes through really each one of them to say where we get the sources. Each one of these is going to be prohibited. I will just take on Orla, I think, because, yeah, because otherwise, I mean, we, we will be here all day and we can't do that. The But know that that's what the government is doing, looking for the sources, source of each of these um, prohibited items. Because we have very specifically, right, the, the mitzvah in the Torah, when it talks about um, the mitzvah of Arla, it says, that the forbidden, that which is forbidden to you, um, it, this is the Arelim, 
it will not be eaten. So now, once we say it will not be eaten, all that teaches us is that you can't eat it. Right? Where do we get this idea that hana'a benefit is also prohibited? Meaning that you can't use it for anything. You can't use it to get the dye out of it. You know, we're talking about fruit. You can't use the oil from this, let's say olives, right? You can't light from it. You can't light a candle from it. Because the verse says in Leviticus, in Vayikra 19, chapter 19, you have, you have, uh, it's a very hard word to translate. You have made forbidden the forbiddenness, I guess. The rabotekulam, meaning to include, meaning that, that the term arla is very difficult to translate, but the idea that you have made orla the orla, right, teaches that anything, any kind of benefit that you could have gotten from it is included in that prohibition. And therefore, you also can't use it in any such way for kiddushin, um, for betrothal. And as I say, the Gemara goes on to address basically each of these cases. Yeah, you know, it's I, I, the Gemara here is basically just going to play through. How do we know the source for all of this? And, you know, the idea is essentially that these are all sort of forbidden items that you can't misuse for another purpose. It's a little bit different than, you know, like our example of Master Shani, which is like it has a purpose to be used. It's consecrated in a way and you didn't use it for the right purpose. These are items that are like forbidden to be used at all under any circumstances. Right. That's a good distinction. Well, that's our top discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Reverend Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this stuff on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.